Well, bear with me a second here. I got a little bit of a load. Put my Bible down here. Uh, had an interesting experience last night. Now that stood every service. Now come on, there we go. Last night, uh, when I got here to church yesterday afternoon, I walked into my office and uh, this was wrapped up. And uh, there's a little sign on it. It says, To Colonial Heights Baptist, from the Lord. Isn't that, isn't that nice? Lord, to, to pick our church out and give us a little gift like that. Now, ah, okay. It's going to fight me this service. There we go. All right. So I'm thinking to myself, though, why, why, why a tent? I mean, that, that's a nice gift. I mean, I'm not going to say, not say thank you to the Lord, are you? I mean, he's got perfect knowledge. I'm thinking whatever he gives us is a right and good gift. That's just not going to stand. I'm going to have to come over here and put it like this. There we go. So I'm thinking, what, what, what is the Lord? Why does he have a tent for us? That's what's inside here. And a flashlight. And, you know, especially since we've just built this building, I'm hoping he's not, no, you'll just need a tent. You know, as you know, pastor, I looked on the outside of the box, it said eight-person tent, and then I really got nervous, you know? So I'm thinking, Lord, why? why? I mean, I, you know, I trust you want us to have a flashlight and a tent for Christmas, but, but what's, that, what's that for, Lord? And, and, and then I read a little further in his note, and it said, See John 1. So let's, let's look at John 1, shall we? Open your Bible up this morning. If you don't have one, we've got Bibles there in the pew. Let's see if we can figure out... Why the Lord wants us to have a tent and a flashlight for Christmas. Whether you asked for it or not, apparently God thinks we need this. Let's, let's see if we can figure this out. John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, fourth gospel in the New Testament. John chapter 1. John chapter 1, I'm going to begin in verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in Him, and that life was the light of men. The light, that light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man named John. Now, this, this book being written by John, the, the guy writing the book is John the Apostle. The John he's referring to here is John the Baptist. So it says in verse 6, there's a man named John that's referring to John the Baptist. John the Baptist who was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him. Yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not born of the will of the flesh, or not born of the will of man, but were born of God." Now, I see that, don't you all? I I get it. The light, the flashlight here. I don't think God really cares whether we have a flashlight or not. But you know what? It's a reminder of His gift. This is a reminder. It's to help us to remember, to appreciate that Jesus is the light of the world. He came into the world to be that true light. You know, we don't usually think of John, or John chapter 1, as one of our traditional Christmas passages, do we? 
We've been looking at snapshots of Christmas and two weeks ago we looked at a passage in Matthew and we saw a snapshot he took of Christmas and last week we looked at several pictures that Luke took of Christmas. But if you look here, verse 9, this is the true light that comes into the world. Well, that light's Jesus. He's entering this world. This passage is about that light entering as the baby Jesus. So it really is, in essence, a, a Christmas passage. And as Jesus comes to us, He comes as the light. That word light, that's an interesting concept. We use this word a lot in humanity. I mean, think about it. We talk about being enlightened. If, if you're enlightened, that means you're in the know. You, you have understanding. You, you have knowledge. You know what's going on. Now, if you don't know what's going on, you're in the, you're in the dark. So see, we use this concept of light, of, of knowing and, and understanding. And boy, we use it in a lot of other ways. Well, people who die and, and are quickly resuscitated or have near-death experiences, they, they talk a lot about going to the light, having seen a great light. So we see that word associated with death. Guys, we're, we're celebrating the true light coming into the world, right? So what do we do? We put lights on everything. We got lights on trees. We got lights on the house. You know, if you think about it, you know, at Christmas time, we don't ever pile the kids in the car and say, hey, let's go look at the darkest houses in the neighborhood. No, man, we're, we, live, we did it last night. Typed in Tacky Lighthouse. And uh, but you can find them all over Richmond. We go, we go look at the lights. We celebrate lights. Lights what we celebrate. Lights what gets us excited. And you know, if you look all through history... You look at religions, you look at philosophies, uh, spiritual gurus. A lot of that talks about light, light versus dark, offering the light, coming to the light, embracing the light. This is a very common concept. And, and yet now we have here another person joining the parade of lights. Jesus, I'm one of the lights. Now, you, I say that almost sounds skeptical, doesn't it? Like I'm skeptical of Jesus. Well, I'm not, but did you know that the Scripture actually commands you and I to be skeptical of the light? Say, well, I thought that Jesus is the light of the world. Yeah, there's a lot of things that proclaim to be light. Folks, having an experience with the light does not mean you had an experience with God. As a matter of fact, 2 Corinthians 11.14 actually says, Satan most often disguises himself as what? An angel of light. He really, really doesn't come in a red outfit with a pitchfork. He looks like the light. Something that we're drawn to. Something that we want. Something that has answers. So just because it's light doesn't mean it's from God. And so now we have another presentation of light. We need to step back and say, okay, what's different about this light? A lot of people say I'm the light. I can show you the light. I can get you to the light. I can put you in the know. What makes this one different? What makes him unique? And that's really what John is showing us in this passage. Let's understand our light, this gift of light, a little bit more. Look at verse 1. Now, another word for Jesus is the light. Another word for Jesus is the Word. You see that used in this passage. And that word, Word, in the Greek language means revelation. So it's saying, in the beginning was the revelation. The revelation of God. Well, well, what is the revelation? Well, the revelation is His Son, Jesus. Jesus, the Word, the light, that's what God wants you to know about Him. 
God is revealing Himself. God is letting Himself be known, making Himself known. And what He wants you and I to know, this is what He's revealing, is Jesus. Now look at that. In the beginning. Jesus is not a Johnny-come-lately light. Well, we have a lot of fads. Spiritual, you know, in the 90s, the New Age movement was real in. Shirley MacLaine was a fad and, and different things like that. We got different fads that talk about the light. Jesus isn't a fad. He's not this generation or, or during this time. No, He's from the very beginning. And look, when He comes to us from the beginning, when He comes to us from eternity past, look at this. It says, and the Word was with God. And when you say somebody is with somebody, that's, that's two distinct people, isn't it? Jesus, the Son, was with God, the Father. Two distinct personalities, two distinct people. But look at the next line. And the Word was God. Jesus was with God. Jesus is God. We'll see a little bit of the beginning here, the development of our understanding of the Trinity. And of course, the Holy Spirit will be introduced later in this, cha- in this book. But this light, okay, I'm trying to figure out what makes Him special, what makes Him different, what makes Him unique. Well, how many lights do you know that have been around for all eternity? This one is from eternity past. This one is from the very beginning. This one has, is with God. This one is God. Yeah, he's, he's pretty unique. He is a special light. He's not like the others. Look what else is said about him. Look at verse 3. All things were created through him. Jesus is the source of all things. Jesus is the agent of God's creation. God did what he did to create through Jesus. Jesus produced everything. Now, can you imagine with me? We look at that little, that manger scene, a little baby Jesus, shepherds and kings and some angels, throwing a couple cows and some lambs. Everything in that scene, Jesus is the source of it. Imagine looking at a baby saying, I, I am the product of that baby. That, that baby is my source. I mean, you don't usually think of babies as being something that produce anything other than, you know, dirty diapers. No, the baby is the product. The baby has been produced by someone, by something, but not this baby. This baby isn't the product of Mary and Joseph. This baby's not the, the product of creation. This baby comes from before that, and all things that have ever been created are the product of Him. He is the source of all things. You and I, we look at that little baby Jesus. I'm the product of that baby. That baby is the source of my existence, as are the animals, as is the sun, the moon, and the stars, all of it. We all owe our existence. Now, what other light do you know that can claim that? And he enters this world, look what it says there in verse 9, as the true light. It's Christmas. This is John's snapshot. Look, this is the true light entering the world. True. The true light. That means what he's going to reveal about God is going to be true. It's going to be accurate. What we're going to learn about God, what we're going to learn about life from Jesus, what he's going to shine light on, what he's going to bring us into enlightenment about is going to be true. It's going to be accurate. So, so what have we learned about our light? He's from the very beginning. He's with God, He is God, and He is the source of all things. Well, if somebody's going to enlighten me, that sounds like a pretty good place to start, doesn't it? That, that's a pretty unique light. That is a pretty special light. Now, what are we going to do with this light? Somebody get, you know, here's God, He's given you a gift, went out and bought the perfect thing for you, wrapped it up, and He gives you this light. What are we going to do with it? Well, there's only two things we can do with it. We can receive it, or we can reject it. And that's what we see in verse 11 and verse 12. 
They, they reject the light or they receive the light. You know, most of us in here are probably, I said probably, too polite to really reject a gift. Now, we reject gifts. We all reject gifts. You've all done it. Now, we don't, we don't necessarily throw it back in their face or say, gosh, that was a dumb gift. I don't want this. Get it out of here. No, we, we, we say thank you. We take it. And then we put it at the top of the closet to never be seen again. Or we usher it out to the garage for the spring garage sales selection. Or even better, take it back to the store and return it for cold, hard cash. Because nothing says I love you like that. <laughs> now, to the giver, to the giver, I received the gift, Right? But I didn't receive it. I didn't want it, didn't like it, didn't think it was for me, thought it was dumb, and I rejected the gift. A lot of the givers, they don't ever know that, do they? But gosh, that giver does. That giver always knows what we're doing with the gift. We may not throw it back in his face. We may not out and out reject it. But he knows where the gift is. Have you ever had a gift thrown back in your face? Or have you ever thrown one back in somebody's? I've had that happen. I've had a gift thrown back in my face, kind of. Karen and I put a, a, a gift together. This was years and years ago. Put a gift together, uh, almost like a care package, really, uh, for Christmas. And we took it over to this individual and, and wished Merry Christmas and, and gave the gift. And, and we left. We were in town visiting my parents. And we left. And I don't remember what we did. Went shopping or something. And uh, went back to my parents' house. And, and the gift that we had given was, <laughs> it was, it was all over the front yard. Now, being the brilliant mind that I am and having a keen eye for observation, I very quickly surmised, I don't think they want the gift, Karen. <laughs> yeah, I picked that all up right away. And, you know, there was some emotions that went with that moment. As you might have guessed, that relationship wasn't very good. Yeah, there was a problem there. And that's why we were giving a gift. Hoping, yeah, maybe the gift will, will solve some things. Maybe it'll kind of build a little bit of a bridge. Maybe it'll be... Because we, we love. We, we want to make things right. We want to make things better. And, and, when you, and when you're making efforts like that... And gosh, the relationship doesn't have to be bad. When you're doing anything to say, I love you, I care, I'm thinking about you. And that's thrown back in. What's going to make you angry? I mean, it makes you angry. I'm trying to do something good and you, you, you act like that. You, you treat me like that. Or in, in that case, it was, it was anger, but even more is frustration. Wanting, wanting so bad for, for something to be right and hoping that this might be an, an effort, might be something that would, would help bring that about. And it, and, it, and it didn't happen. So there's anger, there's frustration, a little bit of embarrassment. I mean, the first thing I thought, get out of the car and get that picked up before my parents see it. It's embarrassing, man. I've done something like this. And you know what? I don't have to explain this to anybody. I don't have to explain what happened. You know, I bet God has some emotions. I know God has emotions. The Bible shows us God's emotions. He has emotions when we reject His gift. And don't, don't think of God as some kind of impersonal, cold being up there. No different than when you and I go to the store. God has thought about our need. God knows what we may, We need light to get through this life, to know the way, to know the direction. We need light through death. Well, you want to talk about something that we attribute words like darkness and scary. Man, God's brought light to guide us through that death and to guide us to the Father, to guide us to eternal life. Man, He's given us the gift of all gifts. He's really thought about what would be right and good and perfect for you and for me. And He comes and He, and he brings this gift. I mean, He knows what we do with it. He knows where it's going. 
What have you done? Are, are we receiving the gift? Or have we rejected it? What's happening with this gift? You know, it doesn't seem like... I mean, I, I get a flashlight for Christmas. I mean, there's, it's going to go one of three places. It's going to go up in the top of the closet, pulled out seasonally. Or, or it's going to go in a drawer, pulled out in an emergency. Electricity's out. Or we're going to use it. We're going to live in it. We're going to walk in it daily. Now, I'm not going to walk in a flashlight, but guess what? This is the light of God right here. I, I, I study Jesus. I meditate on Jesus. I pray over Jesus, I, His words, and I live them. I obey them. The Bible says, how do we walk in the light? We obey His words. And this is a special gift, isn't it? I mean, how many gifts do we have that come from eternity past? How many gifts do you have that have been with God, that are God? How many gifts do you have that are the source of all things? That's the kind of gift that's been given to, given to us. We possess this. Well, it sure seems like there is a right and appropriate way to respond to this. And the closet, the drawer, that, that doesn't seem like it, does it? But people reject. People reject it here. Verse 11 says people his own rejected. And that's referring to the Jews. That's the nation of, not necessarily individuals. John. John's writing this gospel. John's a Jew. John received Jesus. Peter's a Jew. Peter received Jesus. Mary, Martha, many other Jews. But as a nation, as a whole, they rejected Him. They didn't receive Him. And it's not just a, a national thing. It's not just the Jews. This light has been revealed to all of us. This light's been given to the whole world, to Gentiles, everybody who's not a Jew. And, and, and many, most, not many, most do not receive this gift. Why? Why would I not want a light that takes me to the answers in this world? Why would I not want a light that guides me through death and into eternal life with the Father? Why would we not want that? You know why? One reason. One reason. We don't want to change. We'll give all kinds of reasons. The, the reason is, I don't want to change. As a matter of fact, what John 3.19 says is that we love the deeds of the darkness more than the light. We love the evil deeds that we do in darkness. Now, I don't know about you. Very little of my life, I'm talking about the wrong stuff, what I classify as evil. Gosh, evil, that's such a, that's such a rough word, such a harsh word. We, you know, we use that sparingly for really, really bad people, really, really bad situations. But when God says when you, when you reject the gift of the light, that leaves you in one place, the evil deeds of the darkness. And if you're in the evil deeds of the darkness, that's because you chose to be there. You're not captured. You're not a victim. You're not paralyzed there. You chose the evil deeds of the darkness over the light that has been given to you. What an awesome gift. What an awesome gift. It's not rejected. No, we got the other option of what we do with the gift. We receive it. And you see there in verse 12, there are those who do receive it. And it says to those who receive that they have the, the right and the privilege of becoming a child of God. Man, folks, only by being born of God does that qualify us for heaven. Only being born of God does that qualify us for a, a relationship with God where we're called a child of God. Look at verse 13. It's not born of man. 
You're not going to heaven because you're born into a certain family, because you're born into a certain race, because you're born into a certain nationality. You're not going into heaven because you're born into a certain church, into a certain denomination. It's nothing your parents can give you. You can't inherit it. You can't receive it. You know, a lot of parents, we pray. Don't we pray for our kids' salvation? We, we pray for them to grow up in the Lord. We had a, a baby dedication right here at the 930 service. And as, as a biological family, as a spiritual family, we prayed for that baby. That baby's salvation. And God hears that prayer and God will use that prayer. But that prayer, that desire of mom and dad, that desire of this church family does not mean that baby is a child of God. No, there's got to be a point in time where you receive the light. Where you receive what God has shown you. Where you receive what God has revealed. He's come to reveal God to us. We have to receive that. Have you come to that place and that point in your life where you've been born again? So how do I get born again? It says here, when you believe in His name. When you receive the light. You know, there's people in this room who have not received the light. Probably not the majority of us. But there are people in this room who've not received the light. And maybe today, right now, you're really kind of recognizing that. You can always ask the Lord, Lord, have I received the light? Am I your child? He always answers. You'll know that. You'll have that security. If you don't have that security, you're not sure or you know you haven't, then you know you haven't received the light. You know, I'd like to stop right now. The sermon's not over. I'd like to stop right now and give you an opportunity to receive this gift. Man, this is what Christmas is about. I don't, I don't believe that we ought to live another second if you're in here and not have an opportunity to receive that gift. I want to do something right now, kind of like we do in the pageant. Many of you have seen that. I want to lead us in a prayer. And, and if you know that you're not a child of God, you know that you have not received the light of God's gift. You can ask Him for it right now. It's a gift. He's not hiding it from you. Folks, you see, light light doesn't hide things. Light enlightens. Boy, I see so many people foolishly looking for mysteries in the Bible and numerology and, and hidden messages. Folks, God's not about hidden messages. That's why He describes Himself as light. God's not hiding something. He's revealing something. God's trying to make it as clear as He can the way to Him. And it's in a gift. It's in the gift of His Son. If you've never been born again, if you've never received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, I want to say a prayer right now, much like I pray, much like I've led many people to pray. And if you need that gift, would you just say this prayer in your heart after me? Just say it quietly there. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. If you need this gift, you ask the Lord for it right now by saying a prayer like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and into my life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In your name, Jesus, amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer... You believed on His name, that He's the Son of God, that He died on the cross for your sins, that He rose again, that He is the light of the world, He's the true light. If you believe that, then according to this book right here in 112, you're now a child of God. You've now been born again. You now qualify for heaven in a relationship with God. Jesus provides that. Now, here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to do a couple of things. At the end of the service, I want you to do one thing. At the end of the service, we're going to have a time of invitation. We invite people who've received this gift to come forward. And, and here's why I want you to come. Say, so, do I have to come forward to be saved? No, you don't. But can I tell you something? God wants you to come forward. Say, so why does God want me to come down here and talk to one of these pastors? Well, several reasons. Number one, God wants you to be proud that you belong to Him. He wants you to be proud that you've received this gift. As a matter of fact, in Mark 8.38, He says, Whoever is ashamed of me, I'm ashamed of you. God's not looking for people who've received the gift and then are embarrassed about it. So it gives you a chance to publicly proclaim. And this is a pretty accepting public. This public right here will be pretty excited for you. I'll tell you another reason you need to come forward is because whoever receives the gift, He tells them to be, to be baptized. You know, to put on a sign like a wedding ring after you make that commitment. Baptism is that same kind of thing. It's a sign that says, I belong to Jesus. All followers of Jesus Christ are to be baptized once they've received the light. Not before. Not before they've received the light. Once they've received it, then they're baptized. Another reason I want you to come forward is because God wants you to be a part of a church family. That's His expressed will in the New Testament. And not out there on the fringe, not kind of in and out, not kind of looking from a distance. He wants you dynamically connected and involved with His church. It's God's will. I'll tell you one more reason I want you to come forward is because, man, we just blew right through the biggest and most important decision of your life. This is a big deal. And we want to pray with you for a few moments and talk with you about that and kind of help get you started in growing in this new relationship with Christ. So in just a few more minutes, we'll conclude the service. You come down here and tell somebody, you've received the light. You've received God's gift for you in Jesus Christ. Now let's go on. We can receive. Have you received? Second question, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? Is it the closet? Is it in the drawer? Or are you walking in that light? Man, God gives us a flashlight. He wants us to see. He wants us to know. Let's look at the tent probably wondering if I'd forgotten about the tent over there. Maybe you're looking at the watch saying, I hope he's forgotten about the tent. I haven't forgotten about the tent. Let's move on. Verse 14. The Word became flesh and took up residence among us. We observed His glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father. Full, look at this, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him. That's John the Baptist. John the Baptist testified concerning him and exclaimed, This was the one of whom I said, The one coming after me has surpassed me. Look at this. Because he existed before me. Now, humanly speaking, John the Baptist was born on this earth six months before Jesus was born on this earth. But look at that again, that truth. But while, while I may have gotten here six months earlier, this baby existed long before I did. He comes from eternity past. Verse 16, Indeed, we have all received grace after grace from His fullness. For although the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one, look at that, no one has ever seen God. The one and only Son, the one who's at the Father's side, He has revealed Him. And we've got the light, shines on who God is, shines on life. But then we've got the tent. What, what, what is that about? Well, notice in verse 14, it says the Word, that's Jesus, He became flesh. There's a word for that, it's called the incarnation. Big fancy word, it simply means God came so we could see and understand. God put on something that you and I could process, that, that you and I could figure out. It says He put on flesh and He took up residence among us. That's what my translation says. Yours may say something like He, he dwells among us. That word there for residence or for dwells, 
in the Greek language is guess what? He pitched a tent. God pitched a tent on this planet so we could see Him. So we could go inside. You remember the old, uh, the, well it's still there, the, the Peanuts cartoons? Remember Lucy going to that little hut she made and say the doctor is in? You know, if the doctor's not in, then you can't get any answers. You can't get any help. But the doctor's in. There's the answers. There's the help. Man, I got all kinds of questions. Who's God? Where is He? What's He doing? What's His purpose? Where's He going? Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? What am I supposed to be doing? And out of those questions, I got a whole bunch of other smaller questions. You know what God did for me? He pitched a tent on this planet. Put a big sign on the front of it. Said, God is in. God came in a way that we could see. In a way that we could understand. And He invited us to come in. And what do we find when we go inside? We find grace and truth. We find acceptance and we find answers. All those questions I just asked, they're all answered in Jesus Christ. A thousand other questions are going to be answered in Jesus Christ. We find acceptance as we go in there. You know, without God pitching this temporary, it's just a tent, not a permanent structure. I don't want to live in a tent. I want to live in a permanent structure. Temporary. But without Him pitching this tent, you and I don't have access to the permanent structure. We, we don't have access to the Holy of Holies because the Holy of Holies is, well, it's, it's holy. <laughs> it's perfect. And we're not. Those who are not holy, no entree. You can't come in. So God came so we could. He, he put on a dwelling that we could enter and find grace, acceptance, forgiveness, and love. Man, we try to be good. We, we try, boy, we're trying to be good right now, aren't we? It's Christmas time. You know, we, we, we're, we're going out and we're buying gifts and, and we're thinking about what we could do to bless somebody else or to encourage. We're, we're giving. Maybe we're taking over a plate of cookies or we're doing kind things. You know, a lot of us, uh, a couple of weeks ago, or last Saturday it was, went down to Petersburg and had that Christmas party. You know what? That, that's an incarnation. Do you know that? There, I think there's about 75 of us that went down there. In that moment, we were the incarnation of God's love. Does that make sense? We were the incarnation. God loves. God cares. We were the flesh that went down there and showed it. We were the incarnation of God's love. Man, we're trying to be good. Do good things for other people. Bless others. And we got family coming in to stay with us. And I mean, the topic's coming up. And I'm not going to get in a fight about it this year. I'm just going to sit there and Choke on my turkey until it's over. You know, we're, we're working. Man, I'm going to be good. I'm going to get along. We're, I mean, we're really focused. I mean, it's Christmas. We're going to be good. There's just one problem. December 26th is coming. And we're done being good on December 26th. No, we're not, we're not done being good. We, we try to be good. We want to do good things. But you know what? We, we do things that aren't good too, don't we? And, and there's good things that we should do that, that we don't do. And you know, my, my good acts, my good seasons, they don't erase those good things that I missed. They don't erase the bad things I've done. I'm not ready to enter the Holy of Holies. But God loves me. And God loves you. And He did the most amazing thing. No other world religion gets this. 
All world religions are about man trying to get ready to go up and see God. Man cleaning himself up to get ready to go before this God who they're pretty sure is angry. Christmas is God coming to man. Christmas is God pitching a tent on this planet and saying, I've created a way for you to come in and to find the acceptance and to find the answers you need for this life. You know what what is kind about God in this tent? It's just such... When you buy a gift, I'm thinking about what you need. Man, God knows how we are. We're materialistic. Now, I'm not talking about buying and gifts and money. I'm not talking about that. We're material beings. What's real to us is what I can, what I can touch. That's what's real. What, what I can see. That's what's real. But look at this. It says right there in verse 18, No one's ever seen God. Now, you and I are called to have faith here, but that's difficult. I want to see it. I want to touch it. That's when it becomes real. Well, guess what? God pitched a tent. He came down here and lived on this planet so we could see Him, so we could touch Him, so He could be real to us. He is doing everything to help us believe. Wait wait a minute, time out. Time out. I I didn't see Him. I I mean, I guess guess this apostle John here, I, I guess he saw Him. I guess Peter saw Him. I guess John the Baptist saw Him. But I didn't see Him. Oh, yes, you have. Oh, yes, you have seen God. I sure hope you're not planning on standing before God one day and saying, I didn't believe in you because you didn't make yourself known. I didn't believe in you because you never made yourself real. Yes, He did. You have seen Him. No, Pastor, I don't mean like, you know, metaphorically. I don't mean spiritually. I mean, I want to see Him. You have physically, visibly seen God. You say, when did I do that? On the pages of Scripture. Oh, (laughs) okay, yeah, He's on the Bible. No, I mean really seeing him. No, you really have. I never in my life laid eyes on Abraham Lincoln. I never touched him. But he is every bit as real to me as you are. You are no more real to me than Abraham Lincoln is. He is a real person who had a real impact on this planet. I know Abraham Lincoln through the pages of history. And you know and you have seen Jesus Christ through the pages of Scripture. You say, well, that's not a history book. That's a, that's a religious book. That's a, a Bible. This is the most accurate historical document on the planet. You won't find a more historical, accurate document from antiquity. Now, you'll hear fools. I shouldn't have said that. You'll hear people say, well, this book has inaccuracies. And this book has inconsistencies. It's not historically reliable. Fine. Show me. Show me. Show me the historical inaccuracy and show me the document that you're aware of that proves that. It isn't there, folks. This Bible records tens of thousands of historical truths. They're real. You know what's funny? This is kind of where this kind of train of thought got going. For years, centuries... Centuries upon centuries upon centuries. We'd read through the Old Testament and there was, there was names of cities and we didn't have any historical record of those cities. And those cities were nowhere to be found in history. We look through and we see names of kings, kings of Israel, kings of other nations, and we didn't have those kings anywhere in history. Well, then, you know, maybe, maybe for a historical document, it's just, that's not what its purpose is. Oh, but then we came into the 1800s, we came into the 1900s, and this science was really beginning to develop called archaeology. 
And we were digging stuff up everywhere. Oh my gosh, there's that city. Oh my gosh, look at this document. There's that war. Oh my gosh, where's that? there's that document. There's that king. Folks, all kinds of things have been found to verify the historicity of the Bible. Not one thing has been found to cast doubt upon the historicity of the Bible. Jesus is a real person. The Bible proves that. I don't need another document. But if you do, there are Jewish writings, which were not for Jesus. They rejected Him. There are Roman secular writings that prove the man walked on the earth. He did miracles. He was crucified on a cross. And it was reported that He was raised again. Those are historical facts. You cannot say you don't know the reality of Jesus Christ. He is God. He's come here to reveal God. That's a gift. Folks, God, let me say it again. God's not hiding Himself. God's not making it a mystery. When you get all the clues, when you add up the numbers, when you multiply it by the change in your pocket and subtract your weight, then maybe you'll find God. No, God's coming with a light. God's coming with a revelation. He's coming in a way that we can see and understand. He wants us to know Him. It's a gift. It's a gift. He wants you to know life and life eternal. It's a gift. That's not the question. The question is, do we receive it? Or do we reject it? And if we have received it, what are we doing with it? Can I say it for a third time? Top of the closet. In the drawer. That's not appropriate. Not for this gift. This gift demands our whole life. And how worthy that gift is of our life. Let's pray. Wow, Lord, we, uh, we've just opened our presence. Thank you. Thank you for helping us to see Thank you for coming in a way that, that we could process, that we could, that we could touch, that we could hear, that we could see. Thank you, God, for, for not making it a mystery. Thank you for not making it difficult. Thank you, God, that you, you haven't put up a whole bunch of good works and hoops that we have to jump through because we'd all fail. We have failed. Now, Lord, you, you gave us a light. You showed us the way. You pitched a tent. And you said, God is in. And we can come into you and we can find the answers and the acceptance that we need. Oh, Lord, you give perfect gifts. And we thank you for it. Lord, our prayer request this morning is that we'd live in light of those gifts. I mean, those gifts, they, they, they should show up in our marriage. Those gifts should show up in our finances. They should show up in our parenting. Those gifts should show up in how we make decisions and those gifts should show up in our priorities. Lord, I pray we would do that better. We, we want to because you're, you're incredible. And your gifts are incredible. And we really want to live a life that shows how much we appreciate this gift. Oh, Lord, I pray that others... I pray that others that are stuck out there in the darkness, that are living and, and have chosen that darkness because they don't know any better. God, I pray they could see in our life 
just how wonderful and precious this gift is. Would you use our life? Could, could we be the incarnation of that gift? And would you use our lives to draw them to you? Because, man, we want everybody to have this incredible gift. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray it. Amen.